here's what we did. And, and if you weren't here last week, I want to make sure you get an opportunity to do this. Grab a card if you find one in a seat. Uh, and there are kind of circles on there where you can fill in some names. We talked last week about getting ready to share the gospel. Like, what does it mean for us to share the gospel with our lives and with our lips, the way we live, and to be able to tell the story of the gospel through our testimonies to point people to Jesus, to get people in Jesus in the same room. And so these cards, if you weren't here last week, kind of help make that a reality, right? It's easy for us to sit here and talk about sharing the gospel, and it's like this kind of general thing, but when you start putting faces and names to it, you begin to activate that a little bit. And so these cards that are in the seats, if you didn't get a chance to do this last week, what you're going to do is you're going to write down three names in the white circles of people that you're willing to pray for, right? That you're saying, listen, I'm going to start praying for this person, for maybe it's opportunities to share the gospel with them, or maybe it's just I'm going to start praying for this person and maybe even offering prayer to this person. It's a coworker, it's a neighbor, a classmate, friend at school, whatever it may be. Uh, it's an opportunity to say, listen, man, I prayed for you today. Or, hey, uh, we got this test coming up in school today. It's going to be crazy hard. Can we pray together real quick first? Or if you know, if it's your neighbor, just to say, hey, can I, is there anything I can pray for you and your family? Those kinds of things. Then the next kind of block, those little, those little orange circles are people that we can begin to strategically care for. Right? We talk about people have to know that we care before they care about what we know. Um, it's an opportunity to care for people, to go out of our way and intentionally care for people um, who, who need care, who need someone to love on them and to be loved by uh, us, right? And it gives us the opportunity then to, to share the gospel with them. And then that last one, that yellow circle, is someone that you are going to commit to, hey, I'm going to have a gospel conversation with this person here in the near future uh, to tell them about Jesus, to get them in the same room with Jesus so they can start to work some things out. So if you didn't get a chance to do that last week, Please do that this week. Take those papers home, put them on your fridge, put them on your bathroom mirror, in your car, wherever it's going to remind you. And then back in the back, we've got that ping pong ball thing, right, uh, where you can then write their initials on those ping pong balls and drop them in. Ultimately, at the end of the day, y'all, we want to fill that up. We want to fill that up so that when we walk in, it's a visual reminder that there are people in our community, in our lives, uh, that are being prayed for. There are people in our communities and in our lives and in our church family that are being cared for. And ultimately, when we look at those yellow uh, little foam golf ball things, because they don't make yellow ping pong balls, right? I've looked for them. I've tried. Uh, unless they have smiley faces on them. Um, so, right, the little thing back there, you can put those. And we know, like, every, every yellow golf ball we see there, we can be praying to say, listen, that's someone who's going to be hearing about Jesus in the near future. We want to pray uh, for them. So make sure you do that today uh, or take that home with you if you haven't done it yet because uh, we're going to dive in and unpack more of this today. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll dive in together. Jesus, you are good, and we love you. We are so grateful, Lord, that we get a chance to come into a church like this. Lord, where it's okay to be not okay, uh, and it's also okay to be okay. Uh, but, Lord, you meet us right where we are. And, Lord, where you find us today is exactly where we're supposed to be. So, God, I don't know what we walked in today with. I don't know what kind of baggage we walked in. I don't know what the week was like for us. I know what the week was like for me, and it was crazy. Uh, but, Lord, this week I pray that as we sit in this seat, that it's not just another routine thing. That opening up our Bibles and reading your word is not just another routine thing. Lord, this is an opportunity to be in the room with you, to bump into you, to have an encounter with you, to have you step into our mess, to show us a different way to live. And, Jesus, I pray today that as we connect with you and your Holy Spirit, uh, that today would be anything but, but ordinary. It would be an extraordinary morning. Um, not because of what's preached from the stage or what's sung from the stage or, or anything like that, but because of you. So Jesus, I pray today we make you famous. Jesus, today I pray we make you a big deal. Um, and Lord, that we get to kind of shrink in that uh, as well. Lord, today may you be made famous. Jesus, we love you. Let's pray. Everybody set. All right, now here's the deal. The reason I talked a little bit about last week to start out is I would have loved to have preached last week and just stopped. 
right? Because we talked about, if you were here last week, I got off stage and I felt like I ran a marathon. I talked faster than I've ever talked, I think, in my whole life. And I talk fast, right? So we were trucking through some stuff. But last week kind of ended in this, like, super awesome moment of, you know, reading Romans 10, 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And we all walked out of this place last week going, man, we are some beautiful-footed people, right? And here we go. Like, we're ready to rock and roll and, and share the gospel. I would love to have just gone, you know, that's it. We're going to stop right here. Because... As I was getting ready for today, I just kept thinking, I don't want to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Can I just be honest with you as a preacher, as, as your pastor? Like there are some times that we have to talk about things. It's like, I really don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about this. I, like, can we just skip it? Uh, you know, like can, can we not talk about this? Today was one of those days. I don't want to talk about this because here's the deal. I don't want to talk. Who wants to? Who want, raise your hand if you want to listen to a sermon for 30 minutes that unpacks the feelings of disappointment and failure. Right. But yeah, okay, great. Thank you. There's a, there's a couple. That's, that's good. All right. Awesome. Uh, we can talk afterwards. Just want to make sure everybody's okay. Um, but you're all here, so you're going to have to listen to it, right? So um, here's the thing. What I realized this week is I kind of prayed through this and kind of even wrestled with my own deal of like, I don't, I don't know if I want to talk about this. I don't know if I want to turn and face this. I don't know if I want to deal with disappointment and failure in my own life, right? Life for us has become this kind of carefully crafted and curated thing. Right? What we do through social media and, and things like that is we, is we share all of the highlights of life and none of the lowlights. Like, we don't share the lowlights, right? We don't share, we don't typically talk about the disappointment that we've experienced. We typically don't, like, offer up the times in life where we failed, right? We don't really want anybody to see that. Like, we don't, we don't broadcast when we go out and run a race. Like, what do you do? You, you, you post your time. Hey, I ran this race, and this time, and that time is good for me. You don't talk about, I came in 200th place, right? No one talks about that. I came in 200th place in the race that I run, right? Like if, for those of us that are in school, right, you don't, you don't take, you, you, don't, you don't brag about, maybe you do, I did, you don't brag about your, 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 your 2.3 GPA, right? There's no, there's no dean's list for, for mediocre, right? I, put my, I made my own list of it's the I tried real hard list, right? And I found myself on that list a lot. But typically what happens is, you know, if, you're on, if you play on a sports team, your team, you don't go take a celebratory picture after the game where you get blown out by 50 at midcourt. Like, yeah, we lost. And not only did we lose, we lost big. Let's celebrate that. Like, we don't reward average, right? We don't reward average. We don't celebrate failure. We don't celebrate disappointment. We don't, we don't take, like, the, like, super happy selfie when we lose our jobs. Like, hey, lost my job today. Best day ever. Like, we don't do that. Like, that's not what we do. And here's the thing. Here's what I realized as I kind of thought through this. Disappointment and failure really don't have a place in the curated life that we want to present to people. There's no, there's no room for this. Because what I want you to see is just the highlights. What I want you to see for me are, are all the moments that I won. What I want you to see for me are all the moments that I succeeded. I want you to see all of the things in my life that went right and went well and worked. And I want you to see all those. I don't want you to see disappointment and failure. There's no place for those things in the curated life that I want to present to people. And so here's the thing. What happens for us then is if either disappointment or failure, or both disappointment and failure, are a possibility in anything that we do. It's better to stay on the safe side and not even attempt it. It's better to stay on the safe side and not even attempt it. If there's a possibility or a chance that I could disappoint someone, that I may not live up to my expectations, that I might leave them, they might walk away going, I'm disappointed by that. If there is even a chance that in attempting something, I could fail, 
I could fall flat on my face. I might not be good at this. This might not work. If there's even a chance of those things, I would rather not try than risk experiencing disappointment or failure. And that also includes sharing the gospel. Talking to people about Jesus, having Jesus conversations. Sharing the gospel with our lives and with our lips, like the way we live, and then our stories and our testimonies. Because, I mean, what happens? What happens if we share the gospel with somebody and they say no? What happens? What happens if they don't respond? What happens if they don't respond? What, what if I offer to pray for my neighbor and they say, no thanks? I don't want you to pray for me. I mean, if there's a chance, right? If there's a chance that sharing the gospel might result in disappointment or failure, or it might seem to me like I failed in sharing, if there's a chance, if there's a shot, that this might end up disappointing someone, or disappointing, like, I'm going to come in, I'm like, hey, Brad, pastor, like, I tried to share the gospel, and I failed, and you're going to be like, I'm going to look at you, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed, right? Like, if there's this, I don't want to let people down, I don't want to share that with my D group, I don't want to share that with my friends, I I don't want, hey, listen, I tried to share the gospel this week, and I totally got shot down, I don't want to share that. And here's the reason, right? Because failure and disappointment are a possibility, what happens? We, we typically don't try. We don't try to share the gospel. We don't make an attempt to live out the gospel with our lives. And so that's why we have to talk about this today. We have to talk about, we cannot skirt around or go around or, or not talk about disappointment and failure. Because here's the thing, if we don't talk about it, then we're not going to be equipped or ready or know what to do when it seems like Failure and disappointment happen when it comes to sharing the gospel. Because here's the thing, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Because here's the thing, if you look at, like what we talked about last week, if you, if you open your Bibles, go ahead and open your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. And if you look in Romans chapter 10, where we ended last week in verse 15, it was like this big rah-rah thing of like, you know, Paul's going, listen, how can they not hear if somebody doesn't go preach to them? And how can someone preach if they're not sent out to them? And, and like, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Like, go for it. Go get them. Rah, rah, rah. After all of that, look at the next verse, chapter 10, verse 16. It says this. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For for Isaiah says, Lord, who's believed our message? I mean, talk about like a downer verse. Talk about, I mean, it feels a little bit like whiplash. It's like, wait a minute, like, how did this happen? How did this happen? I mean, Paul, we, we got on, I mean, it was like, it was awesome. We left last week going, this, let's get after this. Let's, let's do this. We know what the gospel is. We know what the gospel does. Now we know how to go out and live this out and share this with our friends and with our neighbors. And then you read verse 16, and everybody checks up. Whoa. Hold on. You mean Paul. This guy we've been talking about for almost a year, right? The, 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 the writer of half-ish of the New Testament, right? This guy, he was a church planner, he was a missionary, he was a businessman, he was a teacher, he was a preacher, he was a leader. Like, Paul's always got an answer for everything. Paul, it seems, always has an answer for every single argument. Anytime somebody pushes back, he kind of comes back with a, with a great response. That same guy, somebody said no to him? If they said no to him, after everything he's unpacked, After everything we've talked about over the last three weeks, the way that Paul has approached these people, the Israelites, his own people who his heart breaks for, breaks for their lostness, breaks for the fact that they're doing religion for God instead of being in relationship with God. His heart is breaking for them, and we've seen his his example of how he's come at this and how he's, he's shared with him about God's sovereignty and his promise and his character and his integrity. After all that, after all that he's unpacked, After all those things that he's pointed to, 
faith in Jesus. Have faith in Jesus instead of trying to, to save yourself. After all of that, Paul failed. They still said no. I mean, if they say no to him, what are they going to say to me? If, if someone can say no to Paul, then what are they going to say to me? And here's the deal. One of, our, one of our big takeaways as we've read Romans 9, 10, and 11, we've said, like, these three chapters, here's what we have to look at. The, the, the kind of core thing in these chapters, the core question to keep asking ourselves as we go through these chapters is this. What's my care and concern for people that are lost? Like, what's my attitude? What's my attitude towards people in my life that don't believe in Jesus? What's my care? What's my concern for people in my life that, that say, I don't need Jesus. I can save myself. That's the core of this. And what we've done is we've learned, as we've read through 9, 10, and 11, we have learned from Paul's example, and we've looked at his experience when it comes to caring for people that are lost. How to have a conversation with people that are lost. What do we do? How do we bring the gospel into their lives? And this is a part of it. Today what we learn is this, that, that when, we, when we have to, when, we come, when it comes to sharing the gospel, when it comes to living that out, right, we've got to learn how to navigate the very real feelings of disappointment and failure that we experience when people in our lives say no to the gospel. Why? Because it happens. It happened to Jesus. Right? It happened to Jesus. It happened to Paul. And if it happens to those guys, you can bet it's going to happen to us. If they experienced it, we're going to experience it. And so here's what we learned from this, right? And what we're going to unpack today is this. For Paul, when it came to dealing with disappointment and failure, he intentionally looked in four directions. It means for us, we've got to learn what it means to intentionally look in four different directions. Paul looks up, he looks out, he looks in, and he looks around. And we're going to unpack that over the next few verses, right? But here's what happens first. Right? When we face, when you and I face what feels like disappointment and failure when it comes to sharing the gospel, the first place we have to look and the first thing we see Paul do is he looks up to God. The first direction Paul looks when he's feeling disappointment and failure as it relates to sharing the gospel is he looks up to God. Because he asks this question, like, who believed our message? Who, who believed our message? They didn't believe, but... But we ask this question, like, who, who believed our message? And he's quoting Isaiah 53. So Paul starts going all over Scripture. So I'm going to bounce around a lot today. You don't have to follow me. Just kind of maybe write some things down or take pictures if you want to. But here's what it says in Isaiah 53. This is God, right, speaking to Isaiah through, to, to the people. It says, who's believed our message? God asks the question, who's believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He, talking about Jesus, who's going to come hundreds of years from this point, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain. Like one whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. That's Isaiah talking about Jesus, hundreds of years before Jesus, talking about our people's attitudes that they would have towards Jesus. So Paul, as people are rejecting him, as his own people, probably even his own family, as they're rejecting him, Paul, in the midst of that disappointment and failure, he looks up to God, he looks to the truth of God, because God spelled it out, right? God had spelled this out before when he talked to Isaiah about Jesus. Right? He said, listen, there, there's going to be people that no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you pray, no matter how intentionally you care for them, how compelling your testimony and your story might be, they're still going to say no to Jesus. 
And the truth that we get from this is this. The, the issue is not the lack of others hearing the truth from us or seeing the truth at work in you. The issue is them not believing what they've seen or what they've heard. And that's not on you and that's not on me. The issue is them not, it's not, it's not a lack of seeing. It's not a lack of hearing. It's a lack of believing. And that's not on you. And that's not on me. Because Paul, he dives back in in Romans 10, verse 18. He says, I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. And then he quotes another verse. He says, their voice has gone out into all of the earth, their words to the ends of the world. And we'll unpack this here in a second. But here's what we can learn. Right? I want to make sure that we get this. So if you're taking notes, write this down or grab a picture. Right? Here's what we can learn from Paul. Looking up to God first in the midst of disappointment and failure, it leads us to what's real and true about the situation. When we look up to God first, God's got a different perspective. God has a different perspective. And sometimes for us, the only perspective that we can see is our own, especially when it comes to disappointment and failure. Sometimes that's all you can see. When something goes really well, 99% of something goes really well, the 1% that didn't, that's all we look at. That's all we tend to think about. That's all we tend to care about. And so when it comes to disappointment and failure, when we look up to God, our perspective begins to change. And when we look up to God, he leads us to what is real and what is true. So when Paul looked up to God, here's what happened. He's led, Paul was led, when he looked up to God, he was led to the truth that came from God in the word of God. So Paul looked up to God, and he was led to scripture. And he quotes Psalm 19. Right? He says, like, you know, when he said their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world, he's quoting Psalm 19. It says this, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard for them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth and their words to the end of the world. This is real and true. Paul, in the midst of disappointment and failure, he looks up to God. And when he looks up to God, he's led to a different perspective. And that different perspective is what's real and true. And what's real and true is found in the word of God. And in the disappointment and failure, we need that perspective. And this all ties back into something that we unpacked in Romans chapter 1, right? You go all the way back 10 chapters before this where Paul says, listen, God's revealed enough about himself God has revealed through creation enough about himself and who he is, what he's about, his character, all of that. He's revealed enough about who he is in and through creation that every single person in humanity has enough evidence about who God is that they can be held accountable for either choosing to believe in him or not. In that perspective, Paul realizes, oh yeah, it was in creation, it was through creation that God gave everyone enough evidence about himself and his character and who he is that everybody can be held accountable. There's enough truth about God when we look in creation that everyone can be held accountable as to whether we believe in him or not. God already has shared about himself to everyone in his own unique way. God has already issued a call to all of humanity to repent, to turn away from an old life and turn towards a new life and believe in him and trust him. God has given them enough evidence of who he is. Every person, they've heard the truth. They've seen the evidence of creation directly from God. And in spite of that, still, some people choose not to believe. And in that perspective, Paul realizes it's not on you and it's not on me. We didn't fail. We didn't fail. 
And like we said the last few weeks, God takes full responsibility for our eternity. He's the only one that can do that. He's the only one who's big enough and strong enough to take responsibility for anybody's eternity, right? Whether that, that, whether that eternity is with him forever or separated from him forever, he takes responsibility. For those of us who have said yes to Jesus, it's our responsibility to share the gospel with our lives and with our lips. And that means getting people in the same room with Jesus so they can work things out, whether they choose to believe in Jesus or not, whether they accept the responsibility to answer God's call of life and salvation that's gone out to everyone, that's between them and God, not them and us. So we can't take it personal. When Paul gets perspective by looking up to God and into the truth from God, right, it reveals what's real and true, and that allows us to keep moving forward. We don't get paralyzed by disappointment and failure. Because we have the perspective. I don't have to take this personal. It's not between me and them. It's between them and God. I've done all that I'm responsible for. I got them in the same room with Jesus. They heard. They've seen. It's up to them to choose whether to believe or not. So when we look up, this is what happens. We, we learn what's real and what's true through the perspective that God has and that he offers us through his word. So next, Paul goes on in verse 19. He says, again, I ask, did Israel not understand? Was it just a lack of understanding? See, first, Moses says that I'm going to make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And he goes on. He quotes Isaiah again. Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long, I've held my hands out to a disobedient and obstinate people. See, after looking up, after Paul, you can, start, you can see his perspective is starting to shift. See, after Paul looks up to God first and gets a new perspective from the truth of God, Paul looks out, right? The second place Paul looks is he looks out to see the fact that God still works even when we think we've failed. I mean, look what he's unpacked here. He says here, he jumps back into two different things. He jumps back into Deuteronomy 32 and Isaiah 65. Now, we don't have time to unpack all of that this morning. My challenge to you is to go home and read those. Read Deuteronomy 32, Isaiah 65. You're going to see some pretty cool stuff in there. Because when you do, you can begin to see this. Here's what happens. Every time we share the gospel, every time we share the gospel, even though to us it might seem like we're hitting a wall, it might seem like our words are falling on deaf ears. It may seem like they don't understand what we're saying. Even when we feel like we're failing, even when it feels like we're not moving the needle, still, when the gospel is shared, here's what you can rely on. Something happens. Something happens. Something all, whenever we share the gospel, something always happens. N.T. Wright says this. He says, why some people believe and some don't is a mystery that Paul leaves in the hands of God alone. He goes on, he says, Paul knows that faith is what happens when people hear a message and a report about Jesus as it's announced. And I love this last part. God's powerful word is at work whenever that report is given. That's truth. And we have to remember this. That doesn't come without perspective. Right? Paul, when he looks up, he gets some perspective so that when he begins to look out, he's just like, man, even though I may feel like I'm failing, God's Work, God's powerful word is at work whenever we share the gospel. For, for the most part, the Jewish people whose Paul's, Paul's heart was breaking for, they rejected Jesus. 
But that didn't stop God from accomplishing what he set out to do, right, all along. And that was to offer the opportunity to be renewed, restored, and to be in a life, in a relationship with him to everyone everywhere. That's how good God is. That didn't stop him. And this is how good the gospel is, is that even though this group of people over here, the Jews, right, even though, like, they rejected this. They rejected this story. They rejected Jesus. They chose to stiff-arm Jesus. They they chose to to flat-out disobey. They said, listen, we don't need Jesus. We can save ourselves. Even though that's what was happening, right, as the gospel was being shared, this group was rejecting it and stiff-arming it. This group over here, the Gentiles, the outsiders, the disqualified, through the power and announcement of the gospel, they found him. They found Jesus. They found God. They learned to love him. They learned to trust him. They learned to follow him. And what's more, here's the thing. I want us to make sure we get this. God didn't bail on those who pushed him away. Do you notice that? Like it says, all day long, I continue to hold my hands out to a people that are disobedient and obstinate. God didn't look at the Jews and say, listen, I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to go play with the other kids that like me. He still holds his hands out. And I think for us, it reveals something about the character of God. God continues to make offers to people that say no. He continues to use the things that we might even think are negative, like envy and jealousy. Like God can make those things powerfully positive. Like we look at envy and jealousy as a negative thing. God says, I can use that. I can use that. I can use that to wake people up. Because the Jews were going, wait a minute, them? And God's going, yes, them, right? What do you mean, them? How come it's them? How come they get this and we don't? God's like, listen, I, I can use envy and jealousy to wake you up, to show you the truth, to lead you. I can use something that you think is so negative. I can use that to lead you back to me. See, in Isaiah 55, we get this. In verses 9 and 11, it says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, God says this, So is the word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. It's important for us to remember that. It's like the song that we sing, right? Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop working. See, church, we need to understand this. When we share the gospel with our lives and with our lips, we can look out. We can look out inspect, and expect that something is happening in the lives of those that we are praying for, those that we are caring for, and those that we are sharing with. It may not seem like it. Even when, I don't, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, God, you're working. When we do this, we can expect that something is happening. There's a statistic that I read recently that said for, for people who are, who are non-believers, people who are outside of the church, the average, the average, right, which means it's more or less, the average is that it takes five different encounters with someone who, with different people that are believers in Jesus before they begin to be open to the gospel. Five different encounters. The odds are this, church, that that you're not going to be the one person that starts with someone at the starting line and gets them all the way to the finish line and across the goal line. But you may be able to help along the way. You may not be, you may be the first person. You may be the first person to offer them prayer. You may be the first person to care for them. You may be the first person to share with them, but you're probably not going to be the last 
Like Jesus even talks about this when he talks about this parable of the soils, right? You know, here's the thing. There's these different soils. Some of these soils, they, 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 they're, not, they're not ready to receive a seed, right? Like the, the, the path gets trampled on. You know, some of that seed, it goes down into rocky soil and it can't grow roots. Some of that seed gets sown among roots and thorns and it gets choked out. But sometimes that soil falls on fertile ground, that seed falls on fertile ground, and it grows. So it takes five different encounters, five different opportunities for us to show people that we care, so they care about what we know, to till up that soil, to bust up that hard ground, to remove those rocks, to pull out those, those things that want to choke out the gospel, so that when someone comes along eventually and has that gospel story or tells that testimony, they go, yeah, that's it. But here, can I just say this? Like The thing about Jesus' parable is the soils are there, right? What counts is that somebody sows the seed. It doesn't matter what kind of soil is in the ground if no one's willing to sow a seed. Nothing's ever going to happen if seeds don't get sown. So it's important for us to understand that when we share the gospel, when we share that with our lives, when we share that with our words, when we share that with our stories, something happens. Soil is tilled up. Hard soil maybe gets a little softer. Something happens. And it may not, here's the thing, it may not be if you go have coffee with somebody and you're offering prayer, maybe you're walking them through Jesus, th- through Jesus' story or your testimony, it may not happen with the person you're sitting across from the table with, but there might be somebody behind you that's listening, going, tell me more about that. When we share the gospel, something happens. We have to remember this. Paul goes on in Romans 11, in, in, chapter, in verse 1, he says this, I ask then, did God reject his people? By, by no means. I am an Israelite. I'm an Israelite myself. I'm a descendant of Abraham. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. You know, Paul, in other, in other letters that he wrote, like he kind of bragged about, like, listen, if anybody can brag about their religiosity, I can brag more. Right? I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. At this point in time, there's only two tribes left. Right? Benjamin being one of them, that's a big deal. Paul was a Pharisee. Paul, I mean, Paul, when it came to being a Jew, Paul was kind of at the pinnacle. And so Paul, he does this. He says, did, did God reject his people? Did God reject these people? No. Why? I'm one. I'm one. See, Paul looks up to see the truth from God, and then he looks out to see God at work. But then the next place he looks is he looks in to see the proof of salvation in himself. And I love this. Here's how we know the gospel is always up to something. Here's how we know the gospel is always up to something. You and I have chosen to trust Jesus, right? If you've made a decision to trust Jesus, like we heard the gospel, think about your own story. We heard the gospel. We saw the gospel at work in the life of somebody else. And at some point, we chose to trust it. If you've made a decision to trust Jesus, you've chosen to trust Jesus, right? You've made that decision. So that you, you and I are living, breathing evidence and proof that every encounter with the gospel has an impact on our life. You might have heard it one time, And that was it. That's all it took. It might have taken a thousand times of seeing it and hearing it in a thousand different ways. But eventually, if you made a decision to trust Jesus, you got it. And you responded to it. So Paul, after he looks up and he looks out, he looks in and he uses himself as an example. Hey, this gospel thing works. Paul, he was wrestling with, he was wrestling over the Jewish people, his people, rejecting Jesus. He was trying to lead them into a place where they could get in the same room and bump into Jesus. And even though maybe from the outside it seemed like he was failing, that this was a lost cause, that it was impossible to get Jewish people in this day to repent and believe in Jesus, Paul knew it's not impossible. Here's how I know. Look at me. I believed. 
I'm just like them. And if I can believe, so can they. I don't know what your testimonies or what your stories sound like, but each and every one of us that have chosen to trust Jesus, we are the evidence that no one is impossible. No one's impossible when it comes to the gospel. When we look in at ourselves, at our own stories, and our own testimonies, we find the best evidence in us that there's no such thing as impossible when it comes to the power of the gospel to shift and change lives. It's you, it's me, it's us together. We look in, we find powerful evidence. In Romans 11, verse 2, Paul, he says, God didn't reject his people that he foreknew. Don't you know what Scripture says in the passage about Elijah and how, you know, he appealed to God against Israel? He said, listen, Lord, they've killed your prophets. They've torn down your altars. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. If you've never read 1 Kings 18 and 19, it's an amazing story. Go read it. It's in the Old Testament. It's awesome. Elijah, who was a prophet of God, against Baal, right? So like the, the king and his wife had kind of said, listen, we're gonna worship Baal in this kingdom, this false god. And they turned against all of the, the people that were believing in Yahweh, God, and they killed the prophets. And, I, and Elijah, he goes into this mess and like starts, I mean, he does some pretty amazing things, calls down fire, all the prophets, are ki- like all the prophets of Baal get killed, right? But then Elijah, after that amazing victory, runs and hides in a cave and throws a big pity party. That I did all this, and now the, the queen, Jezebel, she's put like a hit out on me. I'm, I'm wanted man number one. I'm Israel's most wanted. And what's God's answer to him, Paul says? In that moment where sometimes it feels like we are the only ones, like I'm the only one. Nobody around me believes. Nobody, around, nobody in my family believes. God, what's God's answer to, to Elijah? What's God's answer to us? God says, listen, I reserve for myself 7,000. Elijah, you're not, on your, you're not alone. There are 7,000 people that have not bowed the knee to Baal. And Paul says, so too at the present time, there's a remnant chosen by grace. And if it's by grace, then it can't be based on works because if it were, grace would no longer be grace. See, the last place that Paul looks in the midst of feeling disappointed and, and in the midst of failure is he looks around. And when we look around, what we find is we're not alone. When we look around and see, we find we're not alone when it comes to living the with God life. Not only are you yourself living, breathing evidence that the gospel works, so too is everyone else around you that's chosen to trust Jesus. I mean, if you can believe and you can be saved, if they can believe and they can be saved, then there's always an opportunity for people in our lives to say yes to Jesus. We are all the living, breathing evidence that we are saved by grace and not by works. Why? Because we're a mess. I'm a mess. We don't earn it. We're not entitled to it. When we choose to believe it, we receive it. Paul says, look, look around. Sometimes you feel like Elijah, like you're trapped in a cave. And everybody hates you because you believe in Jesus and you feel like you're alone. And he says, no, listen, look around. You're not alone. You are not alone in the with God life. And then he closes out this section in, in Romans 11, 11 and 12. He says, again, I ask, did they, the Jewish people, did they stumble so to fall as beyond recovery? Asking the question, is anybody too lost? Is anybody so far gone that God cannot find them and cannot save them? Not at all, he says. Nobody's beyond recovery. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious, to wake them up. It's not too late. Maybe in that place of envy and jealousy, you realize there's some truth to this. 
Maybe as you look at this group of outsiders and disqualified people worshiping, and worshiping Jesus in a relationship with God, enjoying this with God life, maybe as you look at this, you realize, man, there's something to this. He says, but if their transgression, even if their rejection, Paul says, even if their rejection, even if their rejection does not stop the gospel, even if they continue to reject the gospel, it doesn't stop. Even if their transgressions means riches for the world and their losses mean riches for the Gentiles, how much greater will riches will their full inclusion bring? God, Paul's saying, listen, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. It may seem like it's impossible. But when I look up to God, I see what's real and true. When I look out, I see that God's still at work, even in situations that seem impossible. When I look in in my own life, I see the evidence of the gospel at work in me. And when I look around, I see that I'm not alone in living the with God life. And that no one, no one is too broken, too messy, too lost, or too far gone. No one is beyond recovery. So church, we can't ever give up. We are never out of the fight. As long as there's breath in our lungs and blood in our veins, there's an opportunity to share the gospel. And we believe and we trust that when we sow that seed, even though it may fall on hard soil, eventually, eventually, maybe that soil will soften. We may not be the ones to see it grow. We may not be the ones to, to plant it. We may be the ones to water it. We all have a part to play, and the gospel never fails, even when it feels like we're failing, even when we feel the weight of disappointment. We know what we can look to now. We can look up to God. We, we can look out and see that he's working. We can look in at the evidence of his work in us, and we can look around and know that there are those running with us that want to encourage us and support us, and we're not alone. We're in this together. So I'm going to pray for us. And today, if you want to talk more about Jesus, making Jesus your Lord and Savior, I would love to do that with you. I'll be down front. If you need prayer this morning, I'd love to pray for you. If today you want to make Adventure your home church, you want to learn more about what it means to be a partner here in Adventure, to partner with us in ministry and discipleship and sharing the gospel, I'd love to meet you down front. Let's pray, and then we'll worship together. Jesus, you are good, and we love you. And we're just so grateful today, Father, that we see in your word how to respond to disappointment and failure. Lord, that we can always look up to you because you're always there, always willing to give us new perspective, fresh perspective. Lord, we can, we can look out to see the fact that even when we don't see it or even when we don't feel it, you're still working because that's how good you are. Lord, we look in and we see the evidence in our own lives of how real and true and good your love is for us. And Father, we look around and we see that we're not alone in living the with God life, that there are those that want to do life with us and there are those that we can share stories with, the times that we won and the times that we failed. Lord, this church, as a church, Lord, as Christians, as believers in Jesus, we don't have to hide disappointment and failure. We can be transparent and live authentic lives because with you, there is no condemnation. There is no shame. So God, today I pray that we push through the disappointment and failure. We push through the fear of disappointment and failure to pray for, to care for, and to share with those who desperately need your gospel. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for all you do for us. In your name we pray.